0: Hello again, everyone. I got a lot of things on my mind, so, which is probably the reason why my podcasts don't sound too cool like they should be. But, as I said, over time, it's going to be streamlined and uh, that much better as it goes along. I'm sure when we watch our TV. We come across a brand new show, and usually in the beginning, uh, the show or drama for that matter is like all over the place, but then as each episode airs, it gets a little better each time. Sometimes it takes at least a season or more just to get the show back on track. <laughs> or streamline us for that matter. So, you know, this is my uh, first time at podcasting. The thing I want to talk about is, oh, by the way, this is Mark Smith, and uh, what i like to talk about is, in Cleveland there is a building called the Terminal Tower, and a long time ago, from the time it was built, it was like Cleveland's... Claim to fame, sort of. And and but up until about oh shoot I don't know, maybe one of the administrative mayors administration uh they tried to keep other businesses from being taller than the Terminal Tower. Well, one business got their wish and they built their building higher than the Terminal Tower. Anyways, The interesting thing that gets me at the time... It was built. It was underneath, sort of. Um, That was very interesting to me, even as a kid. Tower we called Cleveland Union Terminal or Union Terminal the layout of Union Terminal uh, has to be Wow because at the time uh, Fred Harvey, who founded the uh, Fred Harvey, I don't know what you call them, Uh, restaurants, newsstands. I would have to say the Fred Harvey chain was basically towards the traveler, basically the rail traveler. But inside Union Terminal, ladies and gentlemen, I mean from the floor, the wall, the ceiling, all marble. There were no steps. To go from street level, at the time it was Euclid Avenue, there was no steps inside Union Terminal to go up and down on. It was a ramp. There are about five ramps that people can make their way in and out of Union Terminal. The thing that I find very interesting. This was also around commercial rail as well as public transportation rail. Is what was inside Union Terminal. Um, if you ever been to Cleveland before, it got overhauled and got renamed Tower City. Uh, you understand where I'm coming from. It's really a hard one to describe because uh, of the layout. But um, Union Terminal had a Nunbush shoe store, a shoe shine and repair shop, Um a newsstand and off to the right side of this newsstand was where people would park their cars underneath what used to be the post office and uh, where the shoe repair shop was was a what was called a self delicatessen, which was really a, a mini delicatessen. And uh, Fred Harvey at the time really uh, put a lot of businesses in Union Terminal. Uh, there was like two newsstands a gift shop and snack bar, like in the center of it, Uh, and then across from it on one side was called the Satellite Snack Bar, which was a little stinky place where I can remember getting a alright slice of pizza, uh, regular pizza, for 25 cents a slice. There were bakeries, two of them, I remember, not owned by Fred Harvey. It was like Cassie's, and then it was Huff Bakery, then it was New York Bakery. Um, Then Fred Harvey had um, a bar he called the Choo Choo Lounge. And there were always personal foot lockers in certain areas. There was even a bank inside Union Terminal, Park Federal Bank. I think that was an s There was also a produce stand in the terminal. And, um, let's see, they also had, across from their gift shop on one side, uh, the Acorn Room, which was a smorgasbord restaurant. And I don't really recall being in the Fred Harvey English Oak Room, but from what I understand, uh, it was pretty much just about everything was served on a silver platter from what I understand and uh... there was a fanny farmer inside Union Terminal there was another snack bar but this snack bar also sold ice cream cones year round and there was uh... a uh, nut shop and of course, uh, photo booths—you know, four photos for a quarter. Those are the days. Um, there was um, a Higby bookstore, and even Higby's had in their budget basement revolving doors for uh, travelers to go in and out of uh, their department store, the Higley Company department store at the time. And, uh, I mean, um, well, the uh, Shaker Heights, the city of Shaker Heights, suburb of Cleveland, uh had its own um rapid transit as we called it rail cars conventionally put and so did at the time cleveland transit system cts but shaker heights rapid transit was basically for all the business people that took the Shaker Heights Rapid to and from downtown Cleveland. It was basically for, where with CTS, as we call it, rapid transit, um, was basically for the east side and the west side of Cleveland. Now in the 60s, I have heard so much talk about, oh, CTS is going to expand the west side where they're going to have the rapid transit <clears throat> go all the way up to the airport. I don't know exactly the year that they finally got around to doing it, but they did. And uh, long time coming, I'll tell you that much. There was a place where you would see like a teletype. And it would be where the train announcer would announce the train. Because kind of a hmm, couple feet away from the self-delicatessen, there was the various commercial uh, passenger railroads. And there was also the uh, ticket office. And there was also a USO uh, club in the uh, Union Terminal. And there was this, I don't know what you call it, kind of a abstract mosaic like wall mural. And there was a barbershop for guys and the men's room as well. Men's room, as my dad would say, I want to hit a dog in the you-know-where with it. That's how disgusting that place was. Um, for something that was just uh, on the corner of Euclidon, Ontario, In the Union Terminal, there was a kind of a hallway where you could go to Guild Hall and Republic Building, which was like all the way over on Prospect Avenue. That was one area I really did not happen to like, especially in the winter. Um, there was like uh, doors on uh, Prospect Avenue next to the uh, Prospect Avenue entrance of the Higby Company that led to Union Terminal, and my mother and I would go there, and the first thing that would greet us after we got off the bus was a cold blast of winter air coming off the way around West 6, up Prospect Avenue and talk about greeting in the morning. Um, Now it's more Tower City. Um, It's a movie theater. Uh, They even have Carvel ice cream and some other stuff. I never really got to go there except for the Disney store. And uh, I'm just amazed that even back then when it was built, I really don't have the exact year with me um supposedly i don't know how true this is that the whole building the whole structure itself because if you looked outside union terminal and you looked at looked up and you would seen the terminal tower and sometimes the clouds would hang so low it would look like the tower was just cutting right through the clouds That's how low it would go. Um, The whole structure surrounded Euclid Avenue and um, Superior Avenue and West 3rd a little bit and uh, Prospect Avenue and Ontario. That's how big the structure is. Um, it was basically for uh, businesses, obviously, and also uh, with um, the May Company, Halley Brothers, um, even Bon Clovier, some of us may remember, as well as Higbee's. It always took an anchor store, as they call it, to bring people downtown. And one thing I cannot understand when I was a kid. You had to dress up As if you were going someplace special. Even though you're going shopping with your mom and your sisters and your brothers you still had to dress up. That went away about maybe mid to late 60s. Um, it was always like a main event for uh, for a kid like me. But, uh, the many different uh, pathways, I guess you can call it. Um, I can remember one time the uh, first ramp to the terminal next to the Higby Company. Uh, this is when the Cleveland Press evening newspaper was around There would always be this young guy and, I don't know, whether some kind of a deal between Fred Harvey or whatever. Uh, but this guy reeked into dimes like you wouldn't believe. And there were always these coin-operated souvenir machines. I think it was like 25, maybe 50 cents. Like a cigarette holder or a little uh, meal and shred kit. Um, They also built Harvey House, which was a restaurant. And it's true what they say things change, nothing remains the same. And if things ever stayed the same, but the life and times changed, and how young people are, how they are today, um, Union Terminal wouldn't stand a chance. It's really a matter of days gone by. I remember going all the way up. It took like two sets of elevators to get up to the observation deck of the Terminal Tower. Um, oh, was that a site? In the original form of public square quadrants and... It's overhauled since then on one side, and then when you went and you looked where the Cuyahoga River is, and then a little further to your left, you would see nothing but a ribbon of highways, a ribbon of many interstates, interchanges. <laughs> um, It was just fascinating to me seeing this ribbon of highways. Well, there was a slogan that I believe it was at the time the Illuminating Company. Um, I forgot how it went. I think it was like. The winning Company wanted to put an ad, I think it was in, I'm thinking it's the New York Times, decades ago. We're talking decades ago. And I believe the people at the time said, okay, back it. From what I want to understand the winning Company did back it and the slogan, the best location in the nation, stuck. Um, I see parts of, uh, a little bit outside of downtown Cleveland getting decayed a little bit. Hard to believe there are people who still believe they got a gold mine, even though it's not much use for it. Um, but anyway, uh, it was a very fun time for me as a kid. I hope to uh, organize something for Christmas. <laughs> for Christmas, Uh, because as a kid, you know, when you first believe in Santa Claus, uh, you can get excited, and in those days, you really couldn't care too much about what you got for Christmas, because, you know, Christmas, gifts, you know. And uh, it had to be one of the most different and unique type and kind of cities to ever even have such stuff. Uh, The produce stand was a shocker for me, even to this day. But of course, that's gone by. But I mean, it's like. I can imagine, you know, um, in general public transportation, you know, you want to pick up something, uh, you want to buy a pair of shoes, for well, businessmen, that was basically Nunbush shoes, world 4. was for, um, but, you know, want to pick up some fruit on the way home or way to work. Um, it was great. And it's a convenience, too, because, you know, if you, um, I somehow remember this uh, uh, self-delicatessen, as they called it, did have a grocer's freezer. If you wanted to pick something up, like maybe a TV dinner or whatever, uh, you could on the way home. And uh, the Higby uh, bookstore it was a very interesting place. Very interesting place. Um, of course the bake shop, fantastic, fantastic. They were open for business as early as 6 a.m. I don't know how late. They stayed open, but they stayed late. They stayed open late enough for, you know, basically the last straggler to make its way home, or make its connection, put it that way. I can remember one time at the uh, Fred Harvey Acorn Room, the chef took a liking to me, and uh, he would always have, on Fridays, uh, one huge side of roast beef and uh, breaded fried fish. Big fried fish. And there was one occasion that the chef made shrimp thermidor. Well, the old thing goes live and learn as go along. Well, this chef did. It went over like a ton of bricks. So he learned stick with what works. That was my first taste of Waldorf salad. Fantastic. Fantastic. Um... and the satellite snack bar was good too. I never really tried the uh the snack bar inside the gift shop. But uh, I did happen to find what we would call today knockoffs. Um, Many different things in the gift shop that didn't look right. I mean, after a while, you see the national brands and how they look and how they're displayed and printed up, manufactured, so on and so forth. And you see these knockoffs that, (laughs) like, blurred ink. You know, nobody lined up the basic inks to get a decent uh, position as far as color where it's supposed to be is concerned. but then Fred Harvey pulled out and what used to be the acorn room ended up being McDonald's and things slowly faded away uh... there was (laughs) I finally remembered there was a bar called the transit bar and the front window had various type of um, rail cars and, of course, very dimly lit, normal. There was also a bank, and I forgot what the name of the bank was, probably was National City at the time, but uh, you really made your connection, both commercial and public transportation. And, of course, we all know the quality of Fanny Farmer Candies. Uh, as far as I know, there's only... <coughs> not somewhere in Illinois, I understand it. So... As I said in my intro, it's going to be anything and everything under the sun, and then some. I thank you for joining me and as the way great comedian George Carr would say in some of his comedy albums, thank you all fellow space travelers who listen to the podcast. And uh, thank you for sharing these podcasts with me. If you do want to email me, My email address is hbp2564 at outlook.com. Until next time, thank you for joining me. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, good night, wherever you may be. And thank you.